So um, if you would, open up to Ezekiel chapter 2. Ezekiel chapter 2 is where we will be today, and we'll be looking at Ezekiel's call to be a prophet. Ezekiel chapter 2, and again, if you're in your Bible, maybe you have it bookmarked from last week, but if you're looking at, open up to the middle, you got Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and then Ezekiel. And once you find that, if you would, in honor of God and His Word, let's stand together as I read this chapter aloud for us. We're going to be actually reading to um, about midway through chapter 3, so there's a little bit here, and I appreciate you guys in your patience and going through this, uh, but let's hear God's Word to us this morning. Ezekiel 2 verse 1, and he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me, and he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me this very day. Their descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Though, though briars and thorns are with you and you sit on scorpions, do not be afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. And you shall speak my words to them, and whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me, and it had writing on the front and the back, and there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. And he said to me, Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and go. Speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me this scroll to eat. With this scroll, uh, sorry, and he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you, and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it, and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. And he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel, speak with my words to them. For you are not sent to a people of foreign speech and a hard language, but to the house of Israel, not to many people of foreign speech and a hard language, but to the house of Israel, uh, whose, uh, sorry, I got lost there, not to many peoples of foreign speech and a hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely if I sent you to such, they would listen to you. But the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, for they are not willing to listen to me. Because all the house of Israel have heard, have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces, and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like emery, harder than flint, have I made your forehead. Fear them not, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak to you receive in your heart and hear with your ears. And go to the exiles, to your people, and speak to them, and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or refuse to hear. Then the Spirit lifted me up 
and I heard behind me the voice, the voice of a great earthquake. Blessed be the glory of the Lord from its place. And it was the sound of the wings of the living creatures as they touched one another and the sound of the wheels beside them and the sound of a great earthquake. The Spirit lifted me up and took me away and I went in bitterness in my heart of my spirit, the hand of the Lord being strong upon me. And I came to the exiles at Tel Abib who were dwelling by the Kabar Canal and I sat down where they were dwelling and I sat there overwhelmed among them seven days. This is God's word. Amen and amen. You may take a seat. All right, well, that's quite the introduction. There's a lot there. Obviously, we're not going to go through every passage in Ezekiel. If we did, we'd be there for about, on average, about two years. We're not going to do that. Um, Hopefully, we're going to make it to Advent. We're going to make it to the Christmas season, maybe a little bit beyond that. But as we do, there's a number of places where I want us to focus our attention. Some places where as we look at Ezekiel and his call on his life, today I want to ask a couple questions to us. And that is this, that God placed Ezekiel in the middle of a story. We don't get to choose the story that we get put in, do we? Ezekiel did not get to choose the story that he was put in. And he was put in a story where he was actually at the very bottom of a story. Sometimes we find ourselves in stories of triumph and we're at the top of a hill and our lives where we're born at, the time that we're born, we might be born like many of you were born uh, maybe post-World War II and after World War II you had this major ascent of the United States of America and you had, you had a, a tremendous economic prosperity and you, you kind of, we, we have this sense that there's a climb, climbing, 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 and we wonder, where are we at in the story? Is there a decline? Are we still climbing? Ezekiel found himself in a story where after the climb, after David and Solomon, that you had these evil kings. And it was so bad over king after king after king. Even if there was a good king, it didn't last long. And he found himself at the very bottom. He was the last prophet to warn of imminent destruction. But he was also the first prophet to offer hope after that destruction. And Ezekiel found himself at the very bottom of the story. And we don't get to choose where we are born in the greater story of what God is doing. And so today I want to ask this question, what sort of a story are you in? Your life, where, where have you found yourself? What sort of a story have you been in? And also to ask this question, what has God called you to do in this story? What part have you been called to play? Ezekiel is called to play a part. And we're going to read about that today. We read that passage, but we're going to unpack what was the part that Ezekiel was asked to play. But also this question, how does God empower Ezekiel to do this? How does God call Ezekiel to this task of preaching to a people who will not listen to him? How will God prepare him? And also to ask ourselves this same question. What story are you in? What has God called you to do in this story? But also, how has God prepared you to do the work that he has put before you? Because if there's anything that I know, if God calls you to a task, he will prepare you 
for it. He will not leave you to your own devices. And one of the phrases that I've leaned on many times in my life, it might sound, I'm not, I'm not a big bumper sticker kind of guy. You guys might know that by now. I don't, I'm not, I don't like spirituality I'm on a bumper sticker, but one thing that has stood out to me, and it's this phrase, where God's finger points, God's hand provides. Where God's finger points, God's hand provides, and we'll see this with Ezekiel today and ask the same question of our own lives. You guys ready? You guys ready to get into Ezekiel? Didn't want to lull you to sleep or anything with a video. You guys are like kicking your feet up and you're like, where's the popcorn? All right, let's do this. Ezekiel chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. So the question is, what sort of story has God placed Ezekiel in? What has he called him to do? And how does God prepare him? Let's talk about what did God call Ezekiel to do in this story. Look back in verse, in chapter 1 in verse 1, okay? Just to get a sense of of Ezekiel and who he is. And the video was really good. He had that little arrow pointing at Ezekiel, you know, going out into exile. I love the Bible project. Tim Mackey, wonderful teacher in this. So the 30th year of the fourth month on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the exiles by the Kabar Canal, the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. And last week we looked at this vision of God, this amazing vision. And if you guys heard the thunder this week, right? The thunder... And you thought immediately, like, that's what it was like for Ezekiel. As he was sitting by this irrigation ditch, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom, thunder, wind. On the fifth day of the month, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, the priest. All right. Who is Ezekiel? And this is significant because Ezekiel... Ezekiel was born into a family that was expected to go into the priesthood, the Levites, right? That he was expected to prepare to be a priest. And Ezekiel spent his whole life, and it says that this is the 30th year, and there's a lot of questions about what it means by the 30th year. Many commentators think that it was the 30th year of of, uh, Ezekiel's life. And what that would have meant is that for Ezekiel, when you turn 30, that's when you're installed as a priest in the temple. And Ezekiel had spent his whole life preparing for this vocation, this career, this job of being a priest in the temple, of reconciling people to God, of, of bridging the gap between God's people and God's holiness, and bringing people to God to provide comfort and connection to God. And Ezekiel had spent his whole life on that, and it's his 30th birthday, and it's on his 30th birthday he's supposed to be installed as a priest. But will Ezekiel ever be installed as a priest? No. He was taken captive. He saw saw people killed and murdered and pillaged. And he was taken captive. Ezekiel will never make it back to the temple. Everything that he had prepared for was gone. He was not in Jerusalem where a priest should be. He was not in the temple where a priest should be. He's sitting by an irrigation canal in a refugee camp. And God says, look, this might not be the story you thought you were going to live, but I have a new call on your life. And that call is for Ezekiel not to be a priest, but to be a prophet. Look at verse Look at chapter 2 and verse 4. 
Ezekiel is not to go to those, Ezekiel is to go to those who had been exiled, and it says in 2.4, it says the descendants also are impudent and stubborn. So he says in verse 3, he said to me, son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this day. Now listen to what it says. It says, you are to go, I send you to them, and you are to say to them, thus says the Lord. All right, if you're new to the Bible, if you're new to the Bible, and many of you have been reading the Bible for a long time, if you ever hear the words, thus saith the Lord, who says, thus saith the Lord? It's not priests. It's not even kings. It's the prophets. The prophets say, thus saith the Lord. So God shows up by the Kabar Canal, and he says, Ezekiel, you've trained to be a priest, but what you're going to do is you are going to say the words of a prophet. You're going to be a prophet. Look, at, look down in chapter 3 and verse 4. In chapter 3 and verse 4, it says, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. Again, prophets are called to speak the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. And again in 3.10, says, Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak to you, receive in your heart, and hear with your ears, and go to the exiles to your people, speak to them, and say to them, thus says the Lord. Again, the the stock phrase of the prophets, Ezekiel, these are going to be the words in your mouth. And then he says, whether they hear or refuse to hear. You go back to 2.5 again, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. I don't know if you heard that, but rebellious house, a little bit of a refrain there. They are a rebellious house, but he says, they will know that a prophet has been among them. They will know that a prophet has been among them. And so Ezekiel is being called to move from the vocation of being a priest, a reconciler, a bridger, someone who sues over the wounds, who makes a pathway to God. He's being called to move from the vocation of being a priest to being a prophet, a vocation that doesn't smooth things over, but a vocation that stirs things up. A prophet is a disruptor, not a smoother. A prophet is one who speaks the hard words, not performs the acts of healing. And he is to proclaim judgment. I mean, Ezekiel, you can imagine, Ezekiel seeing this vision, hearing this voice, and thinking, I have trained my whole life to be a priest, a reconciler, but you're calling me now to be a prophet, a disruptor. And his call is to proclaim judgment. And he not only proclaims judgment, but as we saw in the video, he's going to perform all these kind of crazy, weird acts. And he's going to lay on his side for a year, and he's going to chop up all of his hair, and he's going to do all, he's going to make a little model of, of Jerusalem, like the elders were telling me, you need to make a little model of Jerusalem and like lob little bombs into it. That's what Ezekiel is going to do. Preach judgment. I mean, imagine you're supposed to be someone who brings peace and reconciliation, but God says, I want you to preach judgment 
to a conquered people. I know these people have already been destroyed. They've been exiled. They've already witnessed crazy things. I want you to continue to preach judgment to them. And here's the deal. Look at verse 7. 3-7. Chapter 3, verse 7. It says, but the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you. Why? Because they're not willing to listen to me. So Ezekiel, in this vision on his 30th birthday, he's supposed to be installed as a priest, and God says, Ezekiel, you were supposed to be a priest, but I need you to be a prophet. And I need you to go preach judgment. And here's the best part of the whole thing, Ezekiel. Nobody is going to listen to you. Anybody? Anybody ready to sign up? You're like, you know, I don't care what the paycheck is. I mean, horrible. What, what kind of a call is this? What kind of a call is this? And I suppose this is where I want to I ask you guys a little question and even myself do a little reflection on this idea. As you, because we don't get to choose what story we're in. And sometimes we don't, sometimes we don't even necessarily choose the work that God puts before us. We might, we might train for a certain career, or we might have dreams where we want to do something and we want to be something, but very oftentimes, the work that is put before us, the work that God places in front of us, is not necessarily our dream job. Or perhaps, maybe you're in a career that you're just like, look, I, it just makes money, but what I really want to do is this. And maybe there is a sense of vocation. There's a something that God has put me on this earth to do something. And I guess on one, on one hand, to ask the question, have you asked the question, why has God placed me in this story where I'm at? Why has God put me here? And, and to ask this question, what is God calling me to do? And you might say, look, Pastor Craig, pastors receive callings. Prophets receive callings. Like the holy people, like priests receive callings. Like you've got to be pretty close to Jesus, pretty close to God. You've got to be a special, a special person to receive a calling. I got news for you. When you read in Genesis chapter 2 that God says, look, I'm going to put you in the garden. You're going to tend to it. Look, Adam and Eve, they are given a vocation, and it's something that every human being is given, that there's God-honoring work that is put before us that God calls us to, whether you are a holy person or not, or a regular person, common. It makes no difference. God, there's something inherent in our humanity that says there's work for you to do. And sometimes we think that work is something like, like, you know, that, you know I, I, I hate Mondays and I love Fridays. Thank God it's Friday. It's five o'clock somewhere, whatever. Okay, that work is something I want to just get away from. But the truth is there's something in our humanity that thrives when we have God-honoring work in front of us. And my question to you is, have you thought about what that is for you? Have you thought about the work that God has put before you? 
I think for me, I was thinking about my own, my own vocation. And I, when I came to faith in Christ, I wanted to, I wanted to do ministry. I went to Biola. I trained for ministry. I did junior high ministry for about 10 years, uh, middle school ministry. I worked at two different churches, middle school director. Um, hundreds of students came through my ministry. It was a wonderful time. Saw a lot of life change, a lot of great relationships still that I am still in contact with over those years. I mean, that's a long time ago. Gosh, that's going on 30 years ago, right? That, that my youth ministry days, worked at, at Hume Lake Christian Camps uh, in the, on the junior high camp when, when Kelly and I were married. Uh, our first two years of marriage, we, we worked at the junior high camp over the summers, and that was a wonderful time. And while I was going to seminary, while I was doing junior high ministry and middle school ministry, I went to seminary, and it began, I, I began to have a sense that there was a different vocation, and some of my professors were like, hey, have you thought about going on and doing more work and maybe doing a little academic stuff? And so I followed that, and I, I did more academic work, and I started teaching classes. Uh, and I moved out of the church and out of youth ministry and, and towards ministry to college students and training people for ministry. For, at Biola University, I taught a number of classes. I taught Foundations of Christian Thought, Theology One, Theology Two, Intro to New Testament. So, uh, for, for about 15 years, I taught at Biola University, and I had a wonderful time with that. I, I went on to a PhD at Fuller Seminary. I taught at Fuller Seminary, Biblical Greek and Interpretive Practices and things like that. And then uh, I, was, I was actually called back into ministry at a church in Irvine, at, at Voyager's Bible Church. And I, I think about this shifting of focus. And sometimes, even for, for me, I'm not even for, and I, even for me, for me, that there were times where those shifts felt a little overwhelming. And I don't know what your story is like in the story that you've been in, and maybe you, maybe you started your work life in one profession and you have worked that all the way through and now you're, you know, you're past retirement and you've done the same thing your whole life. And maybe you loved it or maybe you hated it. <laughs> I, I appreciate that laughter. Or maybe at some point in time, God said, hey, you're going this direction, but I need to move you in this direction. I need to put new work in front of you. And it might feel overwhelming, and you're not alone in that. Because for Ezekiel, Ezekiel was a priest called to be a prophet, and what happened to him? Look at 3.15. After he's told, Ezekiel, you trained to be a priest, but I need you as a prophet, and here's all the things you're going to do, and I'm going to give you these words, I'm going to give you this scroll, eat this book, and go out and proclaim these things. Nobody's going to listen to you, by the way, but go and proclaim these things, and God says, that's the work that I have for you. In 315, I came to the exiles at Tel Aviv who were dwelling by the Kabar Canal. I sat where they were dwelling, and I sat there overwhelmed for seven days. This is not a great transition for Ezekiel. And I would imagine, I, for, for me, there are times in transition where it can feel overwhelming. Anybody ever experienced that? Yeah? Anybody ever read the book, Who Moved My Cheese? Yeah, Who Moved My Cheese? Look, it's a great, it's a parable about what happens when your work environment goes upside down and all the rules change in your industry, okay? What do you do? So it's, anyway, you can read the book, but it can freeze people, it can move people in weird directions, but I, I want to ask you this question. What is the work that God has put before you. 
for Ezekiel, Ezekiel had to come to terms that the work that God had, had once put before him was no longer the work that God was putting before him. And now God was shifting him to another sort of work, a new vocation. Not just new work, but actually a, a fundamentally different career, a fundamentally different vocation. And it overwhelms him. I mean, I even think, forget about my my work life, I mean, just the, the vocation of being a husband. Like, I remember that transition just feeling overwhelming. I mean, awesome, but overwhelming. Like, it's all new. I think when becoming a father, the vocation of becoming a father, I remember thinking, will I have enough love to give my kids? Like, how overwhelming it feels to have someone that you're responsible for. Maybe becoming a pet owner, I don't know, you know, okay, no, no laughs on that. Whatever it is, I mean, those are, those are significant transitions, but as you move forward in your life, as you move, that God puts these things in front of you, and it can feel overwhelming. But God will be faithful, as he does with Ezekiel, to prepare us. Let's look at how God prepares Ezekiel. Even though Ezekiel is overwhelmed, God will be sure to prepare him. First thing is this. Look at verse 28, 128, chapter 1, verse 28. It says, at the second half of that, at the end of this, we, we looked at it last week, this major vision that comes to Ezekiel, this, this dust cloud out of the north in Babylon, and we have these, this lightning coming out of it, and this throne, this, this chariot throne coming out with these four living creatures, and it says, such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord, and when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking, and then the, the voice speaks to him and tells him what he is to do, but the first thing we see how God prepares Ezekiel is he gives him a vision of his glory. The first thing he does, he gives him a vision of his glory. And one of the things that I, know, I found in my own life, and I would urge you, is that if you are in a time of transition or the work that God has put before you might not be the work that you need, you want, or maybe there's something about your job or what God has in front of you right now that is just a challenge, the very first thing that God wants to do is to give you a lasting vision of his glory. Because for me, when I feel overwhelmed, one of the best things for me to do is to go to God. I remember doing it. I was, came in, I was feeling overwhelmed. I, I sat down, I was praying right there. I was kneeling right in front of that bench. And I just, I was praying. About a half hour just dumping it out, just dumping it out before the Lord. And it was funny because, you know, I, I felt peace. And it's like, um, and I went home and I was like telling Kelly, like, oh, I prayed and I felt peace. And she's like, well, yeah, that's exactly what Philippians 4 says, right? That do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I think the idea is that when we feel overwhelmed, we go into the presence of God and God will give us a peace. He will give us a vision of his glory. For Ezekiel, for the rest of his life, this vision this vision, this crazy vision is going to be the fuel for his vocation. How will he know? He will always be able to go back to this milestone, this vision, that God gives him a vision of his glory. And it's, it is no half vision, is it? 
It is a full-on thunderstorm of a vision. What else does he do? Look at chapter 2, verse 1. The voice says to him, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak to you. And as he spoke, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. I think it's interesting. It doesn't say Ezekiel got up and stood on his feet. It said that the Spirit entered into him, and it was the Spirit who stood him on his feet. And I got news for you. Whatever it is that God has called you to, he will not only give you a vision of his glory, a place to go when times are hard, he will set his spirit in you. And we know in the New Testament that when God, when you become a believer, that the Holy Spirit of God comes in and seals your heart, seals you, and empowers you, equips you with spiritual gifting to accomplish the works that God has set before. Connor read this verse that God has prepared us for good works. God, by his Holy Spirit, will give you the empowerment you need either to continue your preparation or to do that work. The Spirit enters into him and sets him on his feet. He gives him a vision of his glory, and he brings his Spirit into him to give him that sort of power. The third thing he does, look at 3.1. He said to me, Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and speak to the house of Israel. And as God is speaking to Ezekiel, there, it's this image of the scroll that is coming down, and he says, Ezekiel, take these words, and I want you to ingest them. I want you to eat them. Later on, it says, uh, all my words that I shall speak to you, receive into your heart and hear with your ears. And I would just say this, if you're feeling, if you have a, a sense where maybe your vocation, there's transition and you don't know what to do, there's obviously a vision of God, the Spirit is in you, but I would just ask you this, are you eating this book? Are you eating it? Are you ingesting it? Are you pouring over it? For Ezekiel, this, it will be as sweet as honey, and the idea is that though it, when it comes out, it will be bitter to Ezekiel. But the receiving of it from the Lord is sweet. It will be difficult to do the work, but the time you spend ingesting what God's word says will be sweet. Eat this book. Eat this book. Oh, man. There's a sweetness in here. There's an empowerment through the Spirit. And all these things work together, a vision of God's glory, the Spirit eating this book, taking it in until it becomes part of you. And the last thing might not be the most glamorous thing, but look at 3.7. I think this is one of my favorite things that he does because all these other things are um, kind of particular, are, are kind of general, but this one is particular to Ezekiel because he's going to go to people who aren't going to listen to him. Look at 3.7. The house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you because they're not willing to listen to me. Verse 
for they're not willing to listen to me because all the house of Israel have, hard, have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to make your face as hard as their faces and your forehead as hard as their forehead. You're going to go and you're going li- to you're going to speak to people and they're going to give you they're going to give you bad looks. They're not going to listen to you. They're going to mock you and what you need is you need to have the hardest forehead possible. Ezekiel, you need a little grit in your life because this is not going to go well. They're not going to listen to you. You have to have resolve. And I just ask you, there are times where we just need a little grit. Like, I don't probably, I would say this. There are some of you, I don't need you to have any harder foreheads than you already have. I'm just saying. And that's you, Rob. I'm not, I, just, I don't want to point anybody out. But, like, you might already be stubborn, but here's the deal. The hard, the hard head for Ezekiel, like he says, they've got a hard heart. I'm going to give you a hard head and a soft heart, Ezekiel. Hard hearts don't listen to me. Hard foreheads, they'll listen to me, but hard hearts won't. I'm going to give you a hard head, but a soft heart. And maybe, and I don't know where you're at, maybe you do need a little grit. Maybe it's tough right now, and you're like, I need some grit. God, give me a hard forehead, because it's not easy right now. And maybe that's what God needs to give you. Or maybe what God needs to give you, and what you need is a soft heart. Whatever it is, God will be faithful to soften it up if it needs to be softened. God will give you your resolve if you need it. We, in our family, we always say anything worth doing is worth doing with passion and conviction. If you're going to do something, don't do it, ha- do it with passion and do it with conviction. Don't stand up here and just go through the motions. Do it with some passion and with some conviction. If you find someone with passion and conviction, stay near them because they've got something. The Lord is at work in passion and conviction. And maybe that's something you need, and maybe that's the hard forehead or the soft heart or the combination of that. But if, we, if the kingdom of God can be filled with people with hard heads and soft hearts, what can God not accomplish on this earth, in this city? in our church, soft hearts, and the resolve to work on behalf of God. And so the question is, what kind of a story, what kind of a story have you landed in? You didn't get to choose when you were born. You didn't get to choose where you were born. You didn't get to choose who your parents were. You didn't get to choose a lot of things. God, there's a lot of things that God simply placed you, boom, right where you are. And now where you are, the question is, what is the work that God has put in front of you? And maybe God has put work in front of you and you've just kind of been like, "Ah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Look, God has got a hard head too. God has more resolve than you. I mean, he'll give you a hard head, but God has the ultimate hard head. And he will say, look, this is what I want you to do. And if there's been something you've been like, "Ah, I I don't want to do it. Like, it might be time for you to simply say, okay, God, soften my heart. This is the work you've put before me. What is the work that God has put before you? And also to simply reflect on this question. How has God been preparing you 
to do that work. Our lives are not static, they're dynamic. I was just in a meeting, Hume Lake, um, we had a board meeting yesterday up in Bakersfield and we were praying together and one of the guys was talking about one, um, one of his friends who was a cabin owner, a leaseholder up at, up at Hume and this guy Leroy and Leroy was a contractor his whole life and uh, he built things, he dug ditches, he built things, I think he drove large equipment, that was, that was what Leroy did. Um, but um, after he retired and he, um, he was put in, or, or he, uh, he and his wife, his wife passed away and he was in a home um, with a number of people in his same, the same kind of situation of his life. And what he noted was that he would go around every day to every person in the facility and make sure they were getting up, they were getting dressed, they were getting out to wherever they needed to go. People at his same place in life, but he felt that it was his calling to just go around every day, make a connection with every person and make sure they were out and about and doing what they needed to do. What was, his, what was Leroy's vocation? He was a contractor, he drove big equipment his whole life, but there was a transition where God put new work in front of him. And what did he do? He said, okay, okay, there's nothing about what I've, do, what I've prepared my whole life. God prepared him for a new stage of his life, a new vocation. And Leroy was essentially a pastor he didn't, have a, he didn't have a position, he, didn't have a, he wasn't getting paid for it, but that's what his vocation was. He went around, he made contact with people, he pastored people the whole rest of his life. And so the question, we're not static in our calling and vocation. You might have done something your whole life, but now there's God saying, hey, it's time to move into a new thing. And simply to ask the question, what is the work that God is putting before you. For Ezekiel, he prepared to be a priest, but God said, I need you as a prophet, and it's not going to be easy, and I'm going to prepare you for that. Where is it for you? Let's pray. Father, we, we come to you this morning thankful for your word. We Even just what we're doing today is eating this book. We thank you for Ezekiel. We thank you that well, he's an example of someone who, who did the cheese moved in his lifetime. It got moved, and he had to adjust. And Father, that was not easy, but you were faithful to prepare him for his new vocation. So we ask, Father, that if you have new things for us, that you would point them out to us, that you would prepare us to do the work that you have called us to do. We affirm that where your finger points, your hand provides. So Father, I pray, I pray for anyone in here that is working through a transition and just wondering what is next. We just ask, Father, that you would provide the grit and the softness of heart necessary to make an impact for your kingdom. Father, we love you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.